version of the Mankinian candidates with so Paul Ripley and I'm Mike Royce and this week we're talking about Mr Trump as usual um yay Mr Barr is um is his um report uh, Mr Mueller isn't happy about what he's actually said mm. and Donald Trump is going to sue the banks for uh, to try and prevent them giving his records his tax records uh, to congress uh, well, else we've got going on? Oh, yes, Joe Biden is getting under Trump's skin. And it looks like Labour will be supporting a second referendum. That's just breaking now. But before we do that, let's listen to um, Mueller objecting to Barr's um, statement, shall we put them? We are joined now by Neil Katyal, a Justice Department veteran, former acting U.S. Solicitor General and an MSNBC legal contributor. He wrote the Justice Department rules governing the special counsel. Uh, Neil, very eager to get your reaction to what we've learned about the communication now uh, between Robert Mueller and Attorney General Barr. Thank you, Lawrence. I guess my reaction is Dios mio. I mean, like, (laughs) I can't even imagine where to start. I mean, it's not just the fact that there are disagreements between Barr and Mueller. We kind of knew that. It's not just the gravity of the disagreements, and it's not even just the fact that Mueller decided to go to paper to create a historical record. To me, the most significant thing, and you just started to get at, at in the le- end of your segment, is this line from the Mueller letter, which the Washington Post is reporting. The Barr letter threatens to undermine a central purpose for which the department appoints the special counsel to assure full public confidence in the outcome of the investigations. That's a quote from Mueller's letter to Barr that the Washington Post unearthed. And it's significant because the whole point of the special counsel regulations when we wrote them back in 1999 was to say, look, you can never get the attorney general out of the process in our constitutional system, but you can either ensure an independent investigation or if the attorney general interferes in it, that it's going to become public. And that is what we are seeing now. We are seeing interference by the attorney general becoming a matter of public record. And that means there's only one fail-safe option. And that is what we anticipated in 1999. And that is a congressional investigation that may culminate in impeachment. This has set up Everything Barr has done has now set up Congress to have to investigate. They have no choice because there can't be public confidence when you have an attorney general effectively superseding or trumping the independent investigation by Bob Mueller. The Washington Post is also reporting tonight that after Attorney General William Barr received Robert Mueller's letter of complaint, uh, that the two then spoke on the telephone for about 15 minutes. The Washington Post reports uh, that in that call, Mueller said he was concerned that media coverage of the obstruction investigation was misguided and creating public misunderstandings about the office's work, according to Justice Department officials. In their call, Barr also took issue with Mueller calling his memo a summary. Uh, 
Uh, we are joined now by David Frum. He's the senior editor for The Atlantic and the author of Trumpocracy. He's a former speechwriter for President George W. Bush. And David, your reaction to what we're now learning about Robert Mueller's very quick complaint yes. uh, to William Barr about William Barr's first public uh, s- statement about the Mueller report. Well, the New York Times, which got the story second, um, has a, a line in its story that I think gives a piercing shot of light as to what this dispute is, is ultimately about. The Times got a comment from people around Barr that what Barr was angry at Mueller about was that the Mueller report Barr felt was written for Congress mm-hmm. and not for him. Mm-hmm. So why would that bother him? Well, because the issue of the Mueller report is, was there obstruction? And Mueller sets up facts that say, if this were anybody but the president, obviously, yes. However, this department has rules that say, I can't charge the president. And since I can't charge the president, I'm, I'm going to follow this department's rules. Therefore, I'm not going to make any recommendations to anybody, I'm going to pass this over to the people who have the power and the right to make the decision. And that is not you, Mr. Barr. That is Congress. And that is what Barr was angry about, that Mueller was forcing his hand by taking a decision that Mueller wanted to make away from him, giving it to these gentlemen, to say, if you all think there's been obstruction of justice, then you have remedies. This department does not. And Barr is saying, I am going to uh, take the fact that I don't have a remedy to say there isn't a problem when there was a problem. Uh, Neil Katyal, uh, to that point, uh, it seems uh, that that interpretation of the Mueller report then uh, suggests that what William Barr did was, in effect, intercept it. Uh, If the report was intended uh, to be delivered to the body that can make a judgment about obstruction of justice, it, uh, it was then intercepted by an attorney general who, according to the department's own rules, actually can't make a decision about obstruction of justice, and then he made a decision about obstruction of justice. Exactly. I mean, the whole thing is so snowflakey, just like much of the Trump administration. (laughs) They have all these, like, fake complaints. I mean, you know, how can Barr complain about Mueller not reaching a conclusion about obstruction of justice? That's, after all, what happened in Whitewater with Jaworski. It's what happened Whitewater with Ken Starr, and it's what happened in Watergate with Jaworski. They just sent the material up to Congress and said, you decide. And I agree with David Frum entirely. The whole idea behind that you can't indict a sitting president Every scholar, even the Office of Legal Counsel memos, and even the Mueller report all say the reason for that is because you have to impeach first. You've got to have a congressional determination first. So how Barr can sit there and complain about this when, after all, it's what he wanted, um, which was the non-indictment of his boss, uh, the president, um, is beyond me. And then, you know, the special counsel regulations did exactly what we hoped they would do here, which is force sunlight on Barr. If he's going to interfere, we're going to find out about it. And that's exactly what we're finding out tonight. Massive interference by the attorney general in an ongoing investigation of his boss, the president of the United States. And you cannot trust an attorney general who interferes in such a way with an independent investigation. Uh, Neil, let me ask you about one other point of interference with your experience in the Justice Department, and that is, uh, can the attorney general prevent William Barr from testifying because we have a breaking news report tonight in the Daily Beast uh, saying that House Democrats tell the Daily Beast they've been told special counsel Robert Mueller is willing to testify before them about his report on Russian interference in the 2016 election, but that the Department of Justice has been unwilling to set a date for it to happen. Neil, uh, can the attorney general prevent William Barr from testifying, Uh, uh, prevent uh, Robert Mueller from testifying? No, I mean... 
No, I mean, these folks are at the Trump administration are so afraid of the truth. They're afraid to testify. Barr is afraid to testify in the House of Representatives on Thursday because he might get more than five minutes of questions in a row. Um, and now they're trying to prevent, according to the Daily Beast, Mueller from testifying. Um, it's not going to work. And it's not going to work because we wrote the special counsel regulations anticipating a nefarious attorney general like what it's evidently it seems like we have. And the failsafe was to appoint someone from outside of the Justice Department. So Robert Mueller was outside of the Justice Department. He was brought in to be special counsel, but he can leave tomorrow, leave government service tomorrow, and the attorney general and the president will not be able to stop him from testifying. That was our break glass in case of emergency option. I sure hope we don't have to use it, but everything that this administration has done to try and squelch the truth leads me to think we might have to cross that bridge. Thanks for checking out our and there we have it. Mm. Um, Trump's games, has it been caught out? Is it so obvious? Or will he get away with it once more? Well, the problem here is that, to a degree, he, they, yeah, they, this is a situation where, first first hand, as soon as it came out, he wrote the 400-word um, summary, which is an insult to everybody who's been waiting it was done, done very, very Trump style as well oh, it, it? it was it was it's funny how he manages to have an effect on people did you do you remember when he was running and people were criticizing him because of his age so he got his own personal physician to write a note That's and right, the, the yes. note was going he would be the bestest ever president to ever the serve healthiest, the healthiest yeah, guy. Yeah. and you thought He's so dictated that to him, hasn't he? Yeah. And, and Barr isn't far away from that. He did, That summary was ridiculous. At the end of the day, we've all read now the report that is it's redacted. There's got areas in it, but there is actually a couple of sites that have used their legal acumen and they've unredacted it with a best guess yeah they've used what they would expect that to be uh and and people have people know what it all says now and it is clear well, not fully i mean no well okay not fully but they know enough the the general consensus is he obstructed he got away with the collusion because they did the scope of the investigation did not look into donald trump's finances i find that absolutely incredible when you're investigating someone because of corruption and potential um hookups with a foreign power you've got to look if they've been bribed you've got to look if they've received money and they didn't look into that so they couldn't prove collusion so with the scope of the investigation that they did it's the scope that i've got a problem with but that the scope that they did use there was no collusion okay fine but he did not have the sense to realise that the scope of it was limited and that he probably wouldn't get caught and he he did everything in his power to shut it down and that is against the constitution, it's unlawful he, and that's it. Now Barr has done a hatchet job um, on the American people because what he's gone and but done... But he is the Attorney General. Yeah, but he's, he's a bent one. He's he's in. You saying pocket. that he's bent? He's bent. Yeah, he's yeah. bent. He's he's being controlled by 
Trump, you had another Attorney General whose politics I could not stand the the last Attorney General. He, his politics are reprehensible. He was the one who wasn't allowed to be uh, to stand for confirmation for a few seats under Ronald Reagan because there was sexual harassment cases and accusations of open racism. So he, this guy turns out though did have some scruples and he recused himself so he recused himself and wouldn't do it and now you've suddenly got you've now got an attorney general that he's in trump's pocket he is a complete trump puppet and that's what trump was trying to do surround himself with a load of puppets and some of these um, generals that he had on board like petraeus and and all the rest of them he thought that the minute they came on board they would be loyal to him and he demands loyalty to him not the office of president and there's a subtle difference and that's the di- that's the problem here <clears throat> he's he's got somebody now who's loyal his loyalty bars loyalty is to donald trump not the office of the president which brings us back again to the, the story regarding uh, politicians. Do we trust them? Uh, in this case, obviously we don't. Oh, how but can th- you? This is the obvious person you, you I think you wouldn't tr- trust. However, many people think he's amazing. But, bar or Trump, but we should bring it back. To, both. Yeah, bring, bring, bring it back to the UK. For, just for a few minutes, um, we've got the local elections tomorrow. We are supposed to have a, a local councillor coming in. He decided not to. Uh, I think he's a bit concerned. He may have listened to the show. Yep. Uh, he wants to come on after the elections. I'm sure he will win because the Labour oh, councillor in my local area mm, turned out. Mm. I'm sure he will win. Yeah. The, the trust, the trust in not only politicians but people around government in general now is spreading, and especially in the right wing. Is we talked about junters. Um, uh, banana republics in the past in in, in South America in, in Africa and yeah it's isn't not, the Western world just exactly the same doesn't now? Doesn't seem like uh, that far away now, does it? That, no. Yeah, like it used to be. It used to be horrendous. You'd read the stories of these authoritarian uh, regimes that were suppressing people that were were shouting people down and being rude and abusive. Um, I mean, what's the the guy? Was it in the who's the lunatic who, who got into office and he he called um he, he was supposed to have a meeting with obama and he referred to him as a son of a whore yeah and he, he he's a vigilante he's he's president of a country and he goes out at night with uh, weapons and baseball bats beating up and killing drug dealers it's mm. a lunatic i'm trying to remember his, his name now anyway they uh you 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 have that um I just get the impression that some of the uh, that America, especially with Trump's cabinet, I think he wouldn't mind going round in that van at night. Well, um, rounding up. If you said to Donald Trump tonight, how about for a bit of a laugh, go round with ice and round up some uh, immigrants? I think he'd find that a night a decent night out. Yeah, as long as at a distance from them. Oh yeah, yeah. He'd, he'd love to have the selfies as they're all being locked up and yeah. handcuffed. And Imagine that if people went to Africa and shooting yeah. lions as a trophy. Yeah, it's that sort of world. Oh, uh, you mean like his sons? Both of them. Who do both of them? Who uh, there's a famous picture of them with with a dead animal and the animal is one of the most magnificent creatures on earth that is really endangered a jaguar 
and that picture is freely available, both of them, Eric and Donald Jr. They're both there, and you, you cowards, you know, oh, sickening, sickening. However, 2020 is coming, and Mm. will Trump get elected? Now, straight away, uh, Mr. Biden. Joe Biden has started, he's a bit old if you ask me, however he started his running, really long running, and Trump's upset by it already. Let's have a quick listen. Good evening, I'm Aaron Burnett. Out front tonight, Trump takes Biden's bait. The president lashing out at Biden as the former vice president took the stage late today in his 2020, uh, first 2020 rally in the must-win state of Pennsylvania. If I'm going to be able to beat Donald Trump in 2020, it's going to happen here. Donald Trump is only president, is the only president who's decided not to represent the whole country. We're reminded again that we are in a battle. We are in a battle for America's soul. Have to choose hope over fear, unity over division, and maybe most importantly, truth over lies. Biden's decision to take the fight straight to Trump is clearly getting under Trump's skin. The president firing off four tweets today directed at Biden. He loves to call him Sleepy Joe Biden. And Biden obviously has been on Trump's mind ever since the former VP announced he is running. So it's just been a few days. Look at what we've heard from Trump. How do you think Biden? I don't know what the hell happened to Biden. I don't know. It just doesn't look like the same Biden. I said, is that really Joe Biden? He doesn't look the same to me. When you look at Joe, I've, I've known Joe over the years. He's not the brightest light bulb in the group. Okay. Well, it's, a, you know, as they say, if you talk about someone, I guess, just get your name right. Look, it is a fight, though, that aides would prefer President Trump sit out. Sources tell CNN tonight that the president's political advisors have warned him, don't do it, don't go after Biden, that you could be elevating a potentially formidable rival. A man many Republican operatives believe could pose a significant threat to the president should he win the Democratic nomination. Abby Phillip is out front live outside the White House tonight. And Abby, are the president's advisors really expecting him to lay off Joe Biden. Clearly, he wants to light into him and he gets great pleasure in doing so. That's right, Aaron. I mean, some of them are advising him not to go after Biden in this way, but others are uh, acknowledging what you just said, which is that Trump is going to be Trump. He's going to attack who he wants to attack, and they are going to have to follow his lead. But I think what uh, some of the advisors are seeing when President Trump uh, attacks Joe Biden is the president revealing something about Biden, that he is worried about Biden as a potential general election competitor. Uh, And he also uh, seems to be giving Biden a little bit of a boost in a crowded Democratic primary. If Joe Biden has to prove that he has what it takes to go up against Trump, well, Trump seems to be telling everyone that he thinks that Biden has what it takes to go up against him in 2020. So some of his advisors are just advising the president to lay off of him, let the field, uh, uh, the Democratic primary carry itself out. They want to be able to make a case that all of these candidates, every single one of them, is uh, a socialist, that they are too far to the left. And if the president starts picking his favorites now that he's going to start to put his finger on that scale. And one of the things that Biden has also successfully done so far is forced the president into an unforced error. He's forced him into relitigating his comments on Charlottesville, something uh, that is not helpful to the president, especially in a state like Pennsylvania that he and his aides know are critically important. The president has been quizzing his aides about Biden's strength in that very state in recent weeks. And the president's comments on Charlottesville only re 
reignite some issues that are going to make it harder for him to gain inroads in those suburbs that have been moving away from Republicans since the last election. And so there you have it, President Trump and Biden already face to face. And I think his aides are worried that the president is going to go a little too far, a little too soon with Joe Biden, Aaron. All right. Thank you very much, Abby. And I want to go now to former Senator Carol Mosley Braun. She was the first African-American female U.S. senator. She's endorsed Joe Biden for 2020. And David Gergen, former advisor to four presidents. So, David, what about this point Abby's making? The president's advisors are saying, don't do it. Don't get in a one-on-one verbal brawl uh, with any of the contenders. Uh, and in particular, Joe Biden. They don't want to elevate him. Um, but, but clearly, he, he's uh, not listening, right? Four tweets today. Today, four tweets. And you heard uh, some of his comments. Is Trump trying to elevate Biden because he thinks Biden is weak, so he wants to elevate the weak person? Or is he the most afraid of Biden? I'm not sure he's the most afraid of Biden, but he does know that the early polls have him have Trump down by eight points against Joe Biden. And so that Biden definitely represents a threat to his presidency. I think he I think the president's been itching to get in a ring uh, with anybody who, who got out ahead mm-hmm. in the Democratic side and he's decided to go in. But I must tell you, Aaron. You know, it's it's almost a year and a half before we vote in November. It's awfully early to start throwing punches at your opponent right now. You would think that he'd just let it go and and go after the left, go after the socialism and represented by, uh, yeah. you know, by, by the new progressives and all the rest and try to tie Biden into that. Right. But, of course, uh, he's not doing that, Senator Wright, not the brightest light bulb in the group. It doesn't get more personal than that. He also, of course, has given uh, Joe Biden a nickname, Sleepy Joe Biden, being that. That nickname. And, and, you know, you can chuckle at that or roll your eyes at that. But nonetheless, those silly nicknames were very powerful in the 2016 primary. Do you remember these? Little Marco, Lion Ted Cruz, very, very, very low energy Jeb Bush. Very, 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 very low energy Jeb Bush. I think I added one in there. Uh, but, Senator, what do you make of this? <laughs> A sleepy Joe. Could this actually be problematic for Joe Biden? He and the president are close to the same age, but the president obviously trying to brand him as tired. Well, at the outset, we have to remember this this conversation takes place in the heels of all of these murders in synagogues and other places of worship around the country and around the world. And so I think we have to pause for a moment and put it in context. This is an eternal battle uh, that we have, that we're facing for our time. And I just hope that it doesn't deteriorate into name calling and mudslinging and the kind of ugliness that it's and hate hate filled rhetoric that it could easily do. And, and, and the president has showed himself as being um, more comfortable with than, than I think many. I, I want to talk are. about the comment you referred to, Senator, uh, you know, in just a moment, the one about being in a battle for America's soul. David, also, though, today, uh, you know, the economy was front and center and Trump has made it clear that's what he wants to talk about. One of his tweets about Joe Biden was sleepy Joe Biden is having his first rally in the great state of Pennsylvania. He obviously doesn't know that Pennsylvania is having one of the best economic years in its history with the lowest unemployment ever, a now thriving steel industry that was dead and great future. Biden, meantime, eager to fight back on that. Here he is today. The stock market is roaring, but you don't feel it. There was $2 trillion tax cut last, last year. Did you feel it? Did you get anything from it? Of course not. Now, David, look, of course, most Americans did benefit from the tax cut, but they don't believe they did. In fact, a new poll today shows Biden is tapping into something in terms of people's perception. Only 12 percent of Americans say their families benefited a great deal from recent economic growth in the economy. Is Trump wrong to pick the economic battle? 
No, I think he's wrong. I think he's wrong to 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 split, do a split screen and go after Biden. You know, he's not the brightest bulb in the in the, in the deck, and and you know, sleepy Joe Biden. I don't think either of those things really has much connection. I don't think it. They don't work as, as dismissive comments. And, and you know, Trump was actually more inventive back in the original 2016 in giving names to people. I don't think these nicknames work. And instead, really, ought to be working. Ought to be going forward on it. He's got a good economy, uh, but he's not getting much credit for it. When you're when you're down eight points against uh, your potential contender before you even start and you got a three percent growth, there is a disconnect between those two, isn't there, Aaron? Yeah, there certainly is, especially when most people did get a tax cut and you got stocks roaring. They obviously yeah. the polls show people yeah. don't perceive it that way. So, uh, Senator, look, in Pennsylvania, obviously the economy is crucial. This is Biden's original home state. It's a state he knows he must win. Right. This is must win. It's why the president keeps asking about Pennsylvania and how he's doing. Here's what Joe Biden said today about that. Quite frankly, folks, if I'm going to be able to beat Donald Trump in 2020, it's going to happen here. It's going to happen here. Pennsylvania. Senator Trump won Pennsylvania by 44,000 votes. One of the reasons African-American turnout, which was down 130,000 votes from 2012 when President Obama was on the ticket. Will black voters turn out for Joe Biden? Well, I think voters, Joe Biden is appealing to voters of all stripes across the board without regard to race, sexual orientation or geography even. Um, uh, he, he wants the middle class to understand that he stood for and stood with them and will continue to do so. And he will. And that, I think, is the point, whether it's in Pennsylvania or Wisconsin, uh, here in the in middle America, uh, that campaign, his Biden's campaign, I think, is going to make a real uh, full court press so that people know that this candidate is willing to go to bat for them and to continue to work for them. The economy is is growing by leaps and bounds, but it's not touching the pocketbooks of working Americans. It's not middle America hasn't felt it. Uh, middle America has not gotten uh, the, no. the the growth. But or they gotten did just the, the get a tax cut it. that they don't feel that they got. They did get one. Though. Well, I but, mean, that's the reality. But, but that's the rea- the reality is middle America knows very well whether or not they're better off. Remember the Ronald Reagan question, are mm. you better off now? They know that they're not better off and they know that the, that this that this hate-filled environment really cuts against their interests and their ability to raise a family, send their kids off to school, to build this country. And that's the American dream that Joe Biden is fighting for, the to make sure that that the next generation has a chance to do as well as the last generation did. And that's where that's the crux of the issue that we're looking at. The American dream, the American dream is an absolute nightmare right now. We see he's, um, he's all big with these sound bites. He's like the anti-Trump, isn't he? Is it, where instead of just hateful, scary, horrible stuff, he's all hopeful, optimistic, Uncle Joe, he's going to make it all better, it's all good. Not much policy, though, is there? Like, I mean, you hear off everybody else on on all these other issues. They're all very varied. But, 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 but Trump has no policy. Uh, well... Except cut the taxes. No, he had, he had quite a lot of policies that he said he was going to do when he got in, and he did them all. He did, they got blocked in the courts, but he did them. He, he basically, I'm going to get funding for a wall, I'm going to do that. He has declared an emergency, which has got blocked up in the courts. He has tried to do everything he tried to do, which is more than a lot of politicians. Unfortunately for us, they're all horrendous things. But 
Joe there, what's he saying he's going to do? Whereas all the rest of them are quite clear. I mean, the likes of Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are um, universal health care, free health care, and we also are going to get rid of, of college debt and we're going to make going to college free. Now, that's one thing. Then you've got Kamala Harris and Cory Booker, who are a bit more establishment, and they are being more guarded with the language on that. They're more like, we need to make progress towards. They're more progress towards. So they're very much like Obama-type establishment, uh, pack money-funded, um, you know, red. You could, you'd call them um, blue... Uh, sorry, red Tories, if they were uh, here. They, they're very much, they've got a little bit of Republican in them, them guys. Kamala Harris has got a history of taking money. But I will say this, you know what's really disappointing? Oh. And this is Joe Biden, all the rest of them. They're all, they are just dreadful, dreadful on gun control. Bernie Saunders was so disappointed on gun control. And you would think with the nature of the guy and the way the, that, that democratic socialism that he was proposing and all the rest... He just doesn't engage with the problem of gun control whatsoever. That is something none of them are. And there is just one candidate, and that is Kamala Harris. And she's the one that's in deep with the banks in the past. Maybe she's been born again, hallelujah, and she's she is taking small donations now and not taking pack money. But the oh, it's difficult. And uh, but Joe Joe Biden hasn't said where he stands on free education he hasn't said what he's where he stands on um on health care he's certainly not said anything about gun control do, do policies matter anymore yeah or, or is it all about personality no no they matter of course they who matter. to uh, to the people that are going to benefit from them when they come in did it matter here when labor swept to power on a landslide and brought in a huge piece of of legislation the um and and they got everybody on a decent wage right wage the minimum wage for a decent you know work, week's work now that was seismic, that was. Now, so if that didn't matter, then, you know, what What? What do you want them to do? You can't just elect people. But people no, no, they have no, to no. have I a manifesto, the don't they? I think you're missing the point. I, they have to stand In normal something. politics, in the normal world, yes, you need the manifesto, you need to stand for something. Mm. But in reality, this is it. You're on TV watching a politician, mm. and you sort of go, oh, I like him. Okay. I like his personality. I'll vote for him. Yeah, well, that gets you where, though? That gets you where we are today. That's the problem. And that's, well, that goes across the board. No matter what side you're on, people like a personality. It's, oh, that person's strong. I, I made a mistake. She's strong. I made a massive mistake last time. I, I'm on here now, and I've admitted it before. I'll admit it again. Um, Personality-based, I felt that it, the, the person that could fight fire with fire, if you're just talking about personality, not policies, yeah, yeah. policies, Bernie... I was 100% all his policies are liked. Again, again, weak on gun control, but then so was Hillary, so was all of them. Nobody gave a shit about gun control, and that's the problem. But but all the good stuff that you needed, all the, the you know, Medicaid for all and, 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 and college fees, all that, brilliant. I was absolutely great with him. But I didn't think that he would get down and dirty 
I didn't think he was a, a fighter. I didn't think he was mean and tough enough to take on a bully like Donald Trump. And I thought that because Hillary was very seasoned, had been in government at higher levels and was quite a sassy woman. I mean, we all we know she lost now and it's easy to dismiss her as, oh, she's, she was flawed. Yeah. She still won the popular vote, yeah. so she didn't lose by a yeah. crazy amount. I mean, people, that, that wasn't, he didn't win by the landslide that he makes out, as you well know. Now, the thing is, I thought she was sassier. I thought she would have more street smarts about her because she'd been around a bit and 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 was... Uh, you know, she was included. She was involved in some dodgy things here and there. You know, she could. I thought she could fight fire with fire, and I was wrong. I actually believe now that Bernie, with those policies and the fact that there was no FBI going after him, he was very clean. And I think him being clean and having a good set of policies would have won. Whereas I thought her personality was better suited to fight Trump, and I was wrong. Mm. And that's why it's dangerous to assume stuff. Uh, to be good for a short break, uh, we've had an email we'd like to talk about. Oh, yeah. Well, here we go. Let's let's read this one out. This goes on the coattails of uh, the usual stuff where mm. last week I was going on about uh, various uh, right-wing stuff and saying how nonsense it all was. Um, in particular, I was going on about the... Uh, tax breaks, Trump, and all the rest of it. And, yeah, Anna Lou Carradine says, After listening to your disgraceful radio show, I decided to write in on behalf of all decent, God-fearing Americans. Keep your stupid liberal views in your stupid little country. You are both vermin. <laughs> OK. Thank you. What's your goal again? Ed, Anne Lou Anna Lou Carradine. Well, Anna, uh, Lou, Anna Lou Carradine. Wonderful thing. Here's, here's a thing. I'm just going to make a couple of observations. The fact that you write in, I mean, we're all allowed to have whatever views. You're certainly allowed to yeah. be a Trump supporter and have whatever views, be in the Tea Party, be at Total Odds with us, whatever. But when you start actually writing in to call somebody <clears throat> vermin, then I'm going to make an assumption there. You've made some assumptions about us. I'm going to make a few assumptions based on the fact that the phrase God-fearing American, though you're scared of a supernatural creature, so that makes you a bit of a balm pot to start off with, doesn't it? But you are both vermin. The fact that you've taken the time to write in and say that we're both vermin, it tells me that your parents didn't raise you properly. And that's all I can gather from that. I'm, it says you're a bit lower than average in your IQ, the way you've written that. And your parents didn't raise you right. And you're, you may be a God-fearing American, but you're very rude, um, aggressive and... And you really are part of the problem, aren't you, Anna? On that note, we'll go to a short break. Uh, again, Anna, thank you so much. I like the email. Mike, Mike didn't, but I liked it. Oh, hello. I, I, I appreciate <laughs> it. Please send some more. Do you know what? Job well done. We'll get that one of them. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a short break. Um, as you know, here at Fab Radio, we um, go out and record artists that are travelling around and touring. Uh, this week it's a recording of Samantha Crane who's doing very well at the moment so it's recorded live and it's tracked all if I had a dollar we'll be back shortly uh, we're talking about Trump and the banks trying to prevent looking into disclosure but also a new feature and it's the 30 second of Mike mm. this is how it works 
for 10 weeks, I'm going to ask Mike a certain question, and he's got to defend the undefendable. He has 30 seconds in which to do it, and he gets points for either A, being correct, or B, it's very funny, and I'll give him a score at the end of the show. So for 10 weeks, we'll count up the scores, see what he gets, then we switch, we switch again, and we fire it over at me. So it's like a little battle, really. Bloody hell. But we'll have Samantha Crane first. It's like I'm working every day Saving every cent All the old tricks that I know Walking in the streets at night Rich as any man The only thing I'm thinking of Is how to get you back I could buy myself a house I could get myself a car Have all the tea in China Smoke the best Cuban cigars Go to all of the parties Where they bring the silver spoons Oh, if I had a dog For every minute I'm missing you Cashing all the time I spent Trying to let go Yeah, I got myself set up real nice Crazy what money can buy All these new friends that I got Want me high. I could buy myself a house, I could get myself a car, have all the tea in China, smoke the best Cuban cigars. Every minute I'm missing you. Ooh. 
smoke the best Cuban cigars. Go to all of the parties that bring the silver spoons. Oh, if I had a dollar for every minute I'm missing. How good is that? How good is that, Samantha Crane? Right, um, let's play this. This is um, about Trump. Yeah, one more time. President Trump, his family, and the Trump Organization is suing two of his longtime banks to prevent them from complying with demands from Congress for Trump records. It's a dramatic escalation in the showdown between Trump and Democrats in Congress. So let's bring in our chief White House correspondent, John Carl. And John, this lawsuit is a long shot for the president. Well, it's certainly unusual, George, and Democrats say the Trump lawyers know full well that even if this lawsuit loses, it could succeed in delaying their investigation. So we have a statement, a joint statement from the chairs of the Financial Services and Intelligence Committee calling this a meritless lawsuit, another demonstration of the depths to which President Trump will go to obstruct Congress's constitutional investigative authority. Uh, George, these committees subpoenaed Deutsche Bank and Capital One for a long list of records related to their business with the Trump Organization as part of an investigation into foreign influence in the Trump Organization. The Trump legal team says that the uh, subpoenas are, quote, unlawful and illegitimate. Every citizen should be concerned about the sweeping lawless invasion of privacy. And George, the timing here is quite interesting. Today, as news of this lawsuit uh, breaks, uh, the president uh, will be meeting with congressional leaders on a possible infrastructure deal here at the White House. We'll see. So there we have it. There we have it. Yeah. And what's it all about, really? Well... To me, it sums it all up. It's all about... Oh, I, told you, I told you, it's the money. I, t- I said all the way along, if they'd have widened the scope of the Mueller inquiry and subpoenaed his, his business, subpoenaed his business records to all his bank accounts, gone on a hunt for some of these offshore accounts that he's got as well, the, all the stuff that he's got around the world, you would have found, I believe you would have found transactions between Russia and him for business deals and other things that wouldn't add up. And I think you would find more of the Paul Manafort. Why was he so friendly with Paul Manafort? Why has he not distanced himself with Paul Manafort and said, oh, the guy, I didn't know he was up to all this. He's still saying what a fantastic guy he was. Uh, even though we know for a fact that he was money laundering millions and millions of dollars and, and tax evasion as well. So why is he? Well, it's simple. He's not upset by it because he's doing it himself and we didn't get him. We wasn't caught. So the if you've noticed, he said straight away, and this is the worst thing you can do, by the way, if you're trying to hide something. What do you not say when you've just gained a big public office? You don't go on TV and go, right, the red line is if anybody investigates my business. You're as good as saying, I'm up to no good. Yeah, and I honestly yeah, believe that. And why, why is he freaking out so much over this? Why, this, is, he, you know, why is he the only president that's ever existed who's not mm-hmm. shown his tax records? No, it's because he's bent. He's bent as a nine. And why do people still support him and think, oh, he should not don't have to do that? Well, everybody else in the country has to. Tom explained it really well the other week. He's explained it a few times, but he said it the other week when I said to him, "What about the ethics of the guy? He's got a son. 
he's he wants to bring that sun up right surely his president the president of the united states should be a good role model for his son and he as good as said not interested in that the economy was in a bad way we needed somebody to make money for us and generate money for the economy and get america back on track so apparently as long as you're making money it's okay to be a crass con con man a bully uh, be rude offend people attack um vets attack people that don't deserve it be an absolute bully and a coward as long as you're making money for the economy right let's move back here to our shores um, it's been uh, quite warm last weekend. It's going to be a bit cold this weekend, uh, which is strange because Jeremy Corbyn now says the UK must declare a climate emergency. Do you agree with him, Mike? Should we look at the climate change in a positive way and do something more than we are doing? Well, I think I think it's an emergency all around the globe. I think they should be doing it anyway. I think that should be. It's not. It's not a big. Um, Vote. Some, it's some not some big piece of news. It's not happening. Yeah, because they because they are invested in fossil fuel and have a dog in the fight on the other side, and that's the problem. Eh? Whereas where anybody with any sense whatsoever can see, based upon all the scientific data, that the the planet is warming up and the you getting catastrophic events happening on a more regular basis, and that's all there is to it. I mean, it it is an emergency and it needs acting on. I will say that Jeremy Corbyn is jumping on that right now because it's a it's an interesting gas cloud where him him going on about climate change now uh, if you can imagine Batman he's uh, being chased by some bad guys and he gets cornered yeah and he he throws his uh, climate change gas pallet down so he can disappear you know the uh, the Brexit guys are after him. That's uh, mm. the Brexit ganger after him. They're closing in, so he uses a, uh, well, a uh, climate change gas pallet to <laughs> escape. In the corner. Yeah. Uh, there is heated debate with uh, uh, Jimmy Corbyn uh, and his, uh, his deputy leader as well regarding Brexit. Uh, yeah, he stormed uh, and, out, didn't yes. he? Uh, and should we have a second referendum or should we have a union? Um, and in that, that case, why are we leaving? Why the hell are we leaving it? Because we should have better and off. They, they represent people that are going to be so much worse off. Mm. All of the unions, except for McCluskey, the only head of all these unions, all the rest of the heads of these unions are all, we want to stay, we remain. And he is the only one, the only one. And, and unfortunately, McCluskey works Corbyn like, a, like you know, Matthew Corbett. He works Sutty. Sutty, yeah, you know. Right, well, it's come to that time. Um, we have three minutes left of the show. So I'll explain it to people listening right now. Um, I'm going to play this mic. So you need your mm-hmm. headphones, okay? Mm-hmm. No cheating this week. You, you oh. always avoid oh. putting on headphones. And you'll hear this music. Did you hear that? Yeah. Right, when you hear that music, get minutes. You have 30 seconds. Okay. It's okay. And then at the very end, it'll make us up. Like okay. countdown type thing and finish. Okay. In the third seconds, um, I shall be scoring. Okay. I may make a noise or two. Oh right. I'm scoring. Oh yeah. Okay. So you have third seconds to answer this question, defending the undefendable. Okay. So I'm going to put it to you, Mr. Mike Royce. That in a few years' time, a few years' time, maybe three, maybe four, we shall look back. And think what an amazing job 
an absolutely wonderful job our Prime Minister May has done. You'll hear some music in a moment. Mm. Defend the undefendable. Well, she's got decent shoes. Um, she goes to work every day because she lives there. She hasn't given up, although she wants to commit suicide. And She's good at standing up in, uh, on the dispatch box and leaning against it. She uh, strikes a pose. Uh, it's a defeated pose, but a pose nonetheless. And this is it. And I think you did very poorly there. The first I I start of the show. There's nothing it. funny, nothing humorous. There's, there's nothing. Where was a wonderful policy that came through and, and made us think she was strong and stable? She, the problem with her is, see, see, if that had been, so there's so many people. If you'd have mentioned Rees Mogg, wow, away to the the no easy ones then. in this game. I know, but but in this, her, this you scored one. She's and that just, was just for her shoes. Yeah. On that note, we'll say goodbye. We'll see you next week. <sighs> Take goodbye. Bye bye. <laughs> Thank you.